Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Welcome again. It is Friday. It is 1 p.m. on the West Coast. I am your host, Josh Carter. Unfortunately, Carmen is out this week. Hopefully, she will be back next week. Uh, well, if you are unfamiliar with the show, well, welcome, first of all. Second of all, uh, we talk, we bring in every week, we bring in these amazing veteran founders and military spouse founders that are doing incredible things in the you know, startup world. And uh, and this week's no different. We have an amazing guest this week on the phone is Nigel LeBlanc. He runs the Cyber Warrior Network, which is sort of like this new thing with cybersecurity is so important. And finding qualified people is really hard in this niche uh, industry. And, and Nigel has this amazing company that has figured this out. So welcome, Nigel. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Very excited to be on, on the call with you guys today. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. And I, I want to spend the next hour because uh, this entire hour is really just getting to know Nigel and what you've done and, and lessons that you've learned throughout your process of being a founder. And so, you know, my listeners want to understand who Nigel is. So tell me a little bit more about your time in the service, the branch you served in, what you did, and all that good stuff. Okay, so I am originally from uh, the Caribbean. I'm from uh, Dominica, not to be confused with Dominican Republic. And um, I came up to the United States in 1999, and I wanted to go to school. So um, very little options in terms of um, uh, economic options or affordable options to go to school as an international student. So um, I decided to join the Air Force because guess what, the military pays for school. Um, and it's, it's kind of crazy because um, I actually graduated the last day of my enlistment from active duty, and I'm, I'm in the reserves now. So um, it was, you know, serendipitous to, to accomplish that. Um, but anyways, so uh, shortly after I came uh, came to the United States, um, I joined the Air Force um, uh, November 17th, 1999. I'll never forget that date. Um, and I thought I was finally my life away. Um, you know, I was a, a little bit... Um, and, you know, I, I didn't want the structure and the rigidity. And, um, you know, it, for me, it, it felt like a loss of um, freedom. Um, but the interesting thing that happened was um, the discipline uh, that came with going through uh, basic training, um, going through tech school, and then, you know, actually being on my own, uh, my first duty station at Beale Air Force Base, that discipline created more freedom um, than I had before. So, um uh, just, just you know, really eye-opening, and that was my kind of the first takeaways from uh, how valuable the military um, had been in, in my life at that point. I, I love the uh, I love that viewpoint about how the discipline just created the freedom, right? I mean, it's it's that's a great way to put it, and I think a lot of people don't go into the military with that perspective. They go into it thinking, you know, for my, for me, my my objective was to get college money. I didn't really see the structure as being a hindrance or a lesson learned for me, but uh, you had a great perspective, and I love that. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what you did in the Air Force. So um, I was a, and still am, uh, a special uh, purpose uh, maintainer. So essentially we work on the um, big vehicles, and specialized um, uh, equipment for, um, you know, the flight line, all that stuff. Um, and that was back in the old trans days. 
So um, in 2004, 2005, um, transportation and supply merged and we became LRS. Well, um, you know, prior to 9-11, you know, it was just kind of, you know, smooth sailing, to be quite honest. Um, you know, it was, you know, the, our, our deployments were to, you know, um, the UAE, maybe Saudi Arabia, whatever it is. And, you know, you could definitely expect some type of um, short tour to either Germany or Japan. Sure. Um, but 9-11 changed all of that. Um, you know, and just, just like everybody um, remembers exactly what they were doing and, um, and where they were, uh, that kind of hit home for me because I had my firstborn um, literally uh, 12 days before that. Oh man. Right. Um, and, and, and that time they were supposed to, to, to fly to see, um, you know, our, our in-laws or my in-laws. And that was just very scary. Sure. So, uh, you know, that created a, that, that really ignited the sense of mission. Like, okay, you know, it's about to get real. Um, this is what we've trained for. Um, and to be quite honest, you know, uh, being a young airman back then, I really didn't understand the impact of uh, my career field. Sure. Um, not until I deployed, um, and not and and not until you know um, we we actually merged into the logistics readiness squadron. And at the end of the day, to put it um, you know very bluntly, you know nothing moves um, you know on base without us, right? Mm -hmm. um, or even even across the across the world. So. Um, you know, that gave me a, a, a deeper sense of mission, a sense of pride. And, um, you know, I'm just very thankful that, you know, um, I'm here talking with you guys um, after about four or five deployments. Wow. That's great. But you mentioned you're, you're still in. Is that is that what I heard? Yeah. So yeah, what I'm is your, in. what is your, what are you doing now? You're doing the same thing, but I mean, you're, you're obviously not an airman anymore, right? You're, you're probably a sergeant yeah, at this no. point. Yeah, so I'm a tech sergeant, and um, I I did ten uh, in in the um, active duty, and then now I'm in the reserves. So I'm going on my ninth year here in the reserves, nice. and um, it's kind of crazy. I uh, everybody thought I, I lost my mind because while I was on active duty, essentially while I was going to school, I was you know my goal was to um, you know become an officer, and um, you know essentially I walked away from that. So um, to to follow my entrepreneurial passion. That's awesome. Now, you know, everybody has these different lessons that they've taken away from their military experience. What do you think is the one lesson that you've taken away from your service, uh, not only just in active duty, but being in the reserves? Like, what do you think is that one critical element that, that's helped shape who you are as an entrepreneur? Um, well, that was a tough question. I, you know what? I would have to say people and relationships. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, everybody um, plays a role and a part, right? No matter, um, you know, how small it may be within, um, you know, that moment or whatever mission that we have, or whatever objective that we have. But, um, you know, one of my, um, one of my, my mentors and my chiefs, you know, um, he always told me that, um, you know, if you treat your people well, they will make you look good as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, so if you take care of your people, they will take care of you. And I would have to say that, you know, the biggest lesson is, is about creating relationships. Um, and that, that's translates into the civilian sector and, um, you know, uh, very well in terms of, um, you know, along the same lines of entrepreneurship, right? It's all about creating networks. It's all about, um, you know, gaining trust. It's all about delivering, um, you know, following through what you said you're going to do. Um, but, you know, not only, um, you know, looking out for yourself. So, 
you know, the second part, is, I know you said pick the one thing, but this kind of goes hand in hand, is that, um, you know, always be willing to be a teammate. You know, mm-hmm. no matter your rank or your position or whatever it is, um, you know, you just may be the leader of that team at that time, but um, just, you know, build those relationships and be a good teammate. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, a great uh, advice there. I, and and that's true. I, I think back of all the commands that I was part of in the Navy, and and uh, not everybody adheres to that, right? Like you, you, there's a very strict hierarchy within the military, and some folks, even leaders, don't. The good ones that I still talk to are the ones that did have that mentality of didn't matter what was on my shoulder; it mattered what how I I presented myself. So that's uh, that's a great perspective. I appreciate that. Um, so when you transitioned out of the active duty, what did you do in the civilian world? Did you go out and find a job? Did you start your, your first business? What was that next step for you? So I did both. Nice. Um, I, uh, essentially I, I kind of, there was, um, I worked for CSE at the time and they ran the, the contracts for the counter IED um, stuff uh, in theater, so within Iraq, Afghanistan, and across the you know the Middle East region. Um, so I kind of courted this um, this army colonel who ran the program, and we would check in like once a month. And this is something that you know um, you know uh, we'll talk about on the cyber war network, network side in terms of preparing for transition. But so essentially, I called this guy once a month, and we would talk about our station at McCord Air Force Base. Um, out in Tacoma, Seattle. So it rains all the time. And, you know, first thing, hey, how's the weather? Is it raining today? And, you know, we would just kind of catch up, talk about family life, because I literally was not out of the Air Force yet. But I maintained that relationship. So the day that I was, um, you know, I was supposed to get out, um, we didn't even have enough money um, to pay the mortgage, right? Oh, man. So, and, you know, I've been talking to this guy for for a whole year, and, um, you know, he had assured me like, Hey, as soon as you transition out, you know, um, you know, we have a, a spot for you. Right. So then I called him up, um, you know, and kind of freaking out there. Right. You know, um, in a panic. And I said, Hey, you know, I still didn't get the offer. Right. And then, you know, he, he said, hold on. And then, you know, he gets somebody else on, on, on another line and then, you know, he tells them to push it. And then we're like, probably five minutes. Then I got it. I got the offer. So, awesome. um, uh, you know, once again, you know, just taking care of people, but I, I, I built that relationship with him. Um, and then I probably about less than a month after that, I was, um, shipped out to Iraq. Oh, um, and I stayed there for about, uh, between Iraq, Afghanistan and, um, Kuwait. Um, you know, I was a contractor as, um, an electronic engineer, uh, for the, um, counter ID stuff. That's crazy. So what was that experience like? The difference between, you know, being somebody in a, in a uniform to being somebody in a contract, being a contractor. What was that? What was that experience like? It's a culture shock, man. Sure. Because, uh, you know, like seven months prior to that, probably seven or eight months prior to that, I was in a uniform right. in Afghanistan, right? So, um, you know, you are, there, there's, there's very little protection, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not kitted up and, and you know, with the, um, you know, with all my weapons and everything. And, and, you know, it's just that same, um, camaraderie and that teamwork. It's not there within the, um, the civilian sector, especially as a contractor, you know, people think, well, you owe you out there, you're making all that money. You guys should be good. No. Um, you know, some people are going to be unhappy and, and, and understandably. So it's a, it's a tough environment to be happy. Um, especially during those times, but, 
um, it was a culture shock. Uh, it was it was learning to to be a civilian all over again, um, and it was a little bit scary at times to kind of let my guard down. And um, but you know, at the end of the day, it was it was a great opportunity, and um, you know, I created some really good relationships there as well. That's that's awesome. I, I love that. That's that's uh, a great story. I want to dig a bit more, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. Is that cool? Awesome. We've been talking to Nigel LeBlanc from Cyber Warrior Network. Uh, I, I think this one, this one, we're going to start with CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com forward slash startup radio. You can tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. Uh, so we've been talking to Nigel LeBlanc from Cyber Warrior Network, talking about his transition from being in active duty and being a contractor uh, and being out in some shit, man. Like, that's Iraq, Afghanistan. Those aren't places you go on a Saturday night to go hang out. Did I lose you, Nigel? No, Are you still there? I'm, I'm still here. Not at all. Yeah. There is, <laughs> yeah. There is, there is no out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, it was it, it was a tough environment, I'll, I'll say, say the least. What, what was uh, – the difference is clear, right? You, you're a contractor uh, instead of being in uniform. That There's this distinct difference in how people are treating you, how you're seen. But uh, yes. as, a, as a contractor doing this work, what was some of the biggest challenge that you had to overcome being a contractor versus somebody being in uniform and do, trying to get these jobs done? Um, so first off, um, you know, you're perceived by the military members, um, as an overpaid, um, this overpaid spoiled brat, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, there, and, and it's, it's kind of funny because, um, there was, you know, kind of resentment or, or some, um, you know, hate, as we like to say, you know, um, from, from an E1 all the way up to, you know, a, a colonel, lieutenant colonel, you know. Were they blatant um, about it? Were they just coming to your face and just being rude no, about some, it? Or? Some were very, yeah, some were very blatant about it. Whoa. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, I, retrospectively, you know, and I, I kind of put myself in, in their shoes because, you know, like seven, eight months, you know, I, I was in their shoes. Um, especially for the army, you know, those guys were constantly extended. So, um, it was just a tough environment to be in, um, you know, but personally in terms of, you know, the biggest change was like when you're a military member, you know, you kind of have that, or you have the uniform on, um, although you're a target when you, you know, go outside the wire or whatever it is. Um, but you know, you get ahead of the line. So if, if, if I was sick and I was in my civilian status, um, then you know, yeah, you you know, back of the line, buddy, right? Yeah. And there, there was that stigma with, yeah, you know, what your contractor, you're making enough money, or whatever it is. Um, and it's funny because most of the times, what I did was remember, I was still in the reserves, right? Right. So I had, I had, I had two cat cards, right? So if I got sick, I went in and I gave them my my reserve, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Because it was just, it was so tough to get anything done. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there's just different rules. There's different rules right. for, um, you know, being over there as a civilian, regardless of if you have, um, you know, military background and military history. Um, you know, it's just different rules. You know, um, you know, you're flying in. Um, you better have that visa. You know, yeah, we 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 land on a, a C-17, and we don't have to worry about going through customers or anything like that. So, 
um, uh, the journey is a little bit longer. Um, and if you get stuck somewhere, you had to pray to God that, um, you know, whoever is on that next, um, you know, plane out there is going to give you um, a seat to get back home. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you get stuck out on a fob and, man, you you could be there for weeks. That sounds unfun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you talked a little bit, you said you, that you kind of did both. What was the entrepreneurial side of, of these things? Because this sounded like it was almost employment-based. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I took um, a portion of my paycheck and I, I, I funded this, uh, my first internet startup, right? And, you know, I had a phenomenal business plan. Now, I'll tell you guys, you know, don't, don't laugh. Build it and they will come, Right. So I went out and I hired a whole bunch of, um, you know, offshore workers, like, you know, um, guys from India. And I literally paid somebody to write me a business plan, right? So go figure, right? That was a wild success. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, that ended up being a very expensive lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was a great lesson. And so, you know, I, I tried to build this um this social network and you have to keep in mind this was was when you know facebook was was kind of blowing up and everybody wanted to build a, a different variation of facebook and linkedin was you know gaining some traction so um you know i, I was trying to um build a um a social network that was somewhat focused on um you know just the struggles of um young african americans or whatever it is mm-hmm. but um you know i i got caught up in 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 always iterating and paying for this this one extra feature right um and and you know it came back and and it's funny because when i came back to um when i came back to the states i went to score right and yeah. and, and you know the guy took a look at it and, and you know he didn't really know a whole lot about internet businesses but he knew enough about he knew enough about business to just tell me like dude stop spending he said don't spend another dime on this mm-hmm. So um, that was uh, that was heartbreaking at the time for me to hear, right? Yeah. Um, and then after that, um, you know, I I just always, you know, if I started something, it didn't work out, then I go, uh, I keep going, and I'm I'm, I'm here now. So um, that's how I, I I launched my first startup. It's interesting. I, you know, I had I've done a couple of startups, and I think a, a, the lesson I've learned more important than anything else is that. Your first product is going to be ugly. It's going to be clunky. It's not going to work very well. But new users are pretty tolerant to all of that. It sounds like you spent a lot of time trying to get the product as perfect as it could be without getting into the hands of people that could give you feedback about whether or not it was valuable. Yeah, so um, Lean Startup was not um, out at that point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. And, um, so yep, I, I try to make it perfect, man. Um, and you know, yep, okay, that's nine hundred dollars more. Fine, let's do it. You know, and and it's just, I just paid these guys, and it was just crap. You know, mm-hmm. um, so at the end of the day, it, it, it was a very expensive lesson, but um, a lesson nonetheless. What other lesson do you think you learned from that experience? Um, don't don't build anything in a vacuum, um, and it's important to have a team and actually roll your sleeves up and do the hard work. Um, you know, the business plan wasn't, um, sexy or, or fun, um, at that point to me. Um, you know, it was about the technology. It was about, you know, um, actually seeing users or people engage with it. So I think the biggest lesson that I learned is, is first of all, don't build a, um, solution looking for a problem. Um, and then don't do it in a vacuum. Yeah. 
No, those are two great points, and I, that's great. Um, so you you finish this first startup, it, it it fails. What's the next step for you? So the next step was um, I did a little bit of um, contracting with the VA. Okay. So I I started selling medical supplies, right? So like I would go from you know I I, I went to the VA hospitals across Texas and, um, you know, finally I got a couple of accounts in like the ER and then the OR. Right. Um, so I, I, I floated that for a while, but, um, just wasn't the, the fit, wasn't the culture. And there's a lot of red tape whenever you're trying to do, um, uh, you know, these little contracting things, you know, the margin is so small and sometimes you end up biting the bullet just to try to create, create a relationship. So, um, probably did that for about a year. And then, you know, I always knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I just kind of shut that down and uh, walked away from that. And what do you think the lesson that you learned from, from that particular one? Um, listen to your heart, listen to your head. Um, yeah. I waste a lot of time. Uh, and, and, you know, that could have been better spent in, in, you know, finding my passion, you know? Sure. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, I knew that, and I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I, you know, I, I still have that, you know, doesn't matter where I go in life, but you know, at that point I just wanted to be in business. So I think that was more important than actually listening to my heart and my head. That's interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't look to be an entrepreneur, right? They just, they, they identify a problem. Maybe it's close to them. Maybe it's a problem that they've experienced firsthand and they know how to figure out a problem to solve. Whereas you've always, it sounds like you've always wanted to do something within the business world and you've been trying to figure out what that answer is going to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm your solutions guy. Yeah. Right. So, it's you know if you if there's something that needs to be done all right let's figure out how to do it and I'm I'm not great at being empathetic so to speak right so I'm I'm the guy who's like okay the milk is spilled what the hell are we gonna do now right mm-hmm. um, so I see these opportunities um, you know in, within so many industries and so many different things um, and then you know sometimes I get fixated on one and that becomes um, my obsession for a few years and, and if it takes off then you know well then you know if it doesn't so um you know just another lesson learned right sure. um but there's always an emotional like being an entrepreneur is an emotional roller coaster oh. like you know <laughs> yeah. great day and then tomorrow you know but whenever you have to bury that ugly baby um it's tough yeah so what was the uh what was the point when you knew cyber warrior network was going to be that next niche idea that you were going to go after? So, um, right after the, uh, uh, the contracting thing, I told you with the VA, um, you know, I started, I, I heard about Y Combinator tech stars and I, I started looking around like, where is, is, there has to be some type of, um, you know, accelerator or incubator for veterans because look, I'm stuck out here. I need help. I want my next business to be successful. My next business was not successful, by the way, but I'll lead up to Cyber, to the cyber Warrior Network. Anyways, so in 2012, I got accepted to um, uh, an, an accelerator called Victory Spark um, that was actually funded by the V8, right? Hmm. It was a pilot program. 
So I packed my, my car up and I moved to Milwaukee to launch um, a social recommendation um, uh, platform for barbers and hairstylists. It was like whenever we we PCS and we went to a, a, a different place, it was like you know it was hard to find a good barber, right? Sure. So I I kind of packed that, and this was my first um, you know I, I was very deep into the lean startup, just like everybody else at that point, um, and into the you know the four steps of the epiphany, customer development, and all of that. So um, I went up to Milwaukee and I, I went through the accelerator, and that was that was a very very good experience because. Um, not only did I understand, um, you know, how to, to go out and engage with customers and not build stuff in a vacuum and, um, you know, ship early, ship often. Um, but then it also gave me some insights into the actual funding world, right? And then um, that kind of propelled. So the, the, the business failed, but the relationships that I had there, um, you know, eventually brought me to, um, you know, my, my first, um, actually my first two investors within CyberWarrior Network. So um, that, we were affiliated with Techstars through, um, at that point it was called the Global Accelerated Network, right? Yep. And um, when I left the, uh, the, um, the Accelerator in Milwaukee, I came back down to San Antonio and, you know, take a, ro- a look around, and, and this was like right when everybody was starting to talk about cybersecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, there's a 25th and 24th Air Force right here in in, um, in San Antonio. The NSA is out here. So there's a huge cyber footprint. So I, I thought like, hey, you know what? There's so much talent that resides within the wire right there. Why don't we just launch a cybersecurity accelerator? So I tried to partner up with the same guys who launched the um, uh, the accelerator in Milwaukee, and we reached out to the VA to try to find other partners, and that didn't go through. So um, I was broke again, so I, I had to go back to Iraq. So I went back to Iraq on another contracting job. Um, and before I went back to Iraq, I, I you know had kind of you know, started to verbalize and talk about forming the cybersecurity accelerator. And literally, while I'm in Iraq, I'm, I'm reaching out to people. And then I reached out to a um, very good friend of mine. His name is uh, Jeffrey Wells. But he, 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 he ran the, um, you know, the cybersecurity um, you know, workforce uh, within Maryland for the department. I should say workforce. It's actually business development. Um, so he, he was considered the cyber czar. And um, you know, he, uh, he's a, a Navy SEAL as well. Um, awesome dude. So anyways, I was, you know, we're talking back and forth um, in Iraq. And then when I get back from Iraq, um, he links me up with um, uh, uh, another good friend of mine, my name is Roger Lennon. And um, I get on this project, I'm working with Roger to literally launch a cyber accelerator in the um, D.C., Maryland area, right? And this time um, uh, through Techstars. Mm-hmm. So um, now this was what? 2014, um, DC and Silicon Valley were still, um, uh, you know, miles and miles apart, like physically. I mean, the the environment and the thought process, like literally, we had to explain um, to a lot of these companies who TechStars were, what is an accelerator, and you know, um, I think if Shark Tank was was on at that time, then we probably would have been successful because that would have been a great way to pitch it, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, have you seen Shark Tank? Well, that's what we did anyway. So um, the federal community um, was not very um, uh, receptive about, you know, building these 
um, these startups and funding these ideas. And essentially, you know, that's what what they have, um, you know, innovation labs for or, or research right. labs for. Like, we don't need to to go in and dump our corporate money in, in terms of bringing innovation. Um, so when that didn't work out, I got hired by um, by Jeffrey um, to be the cyber veteran program manager for the state of Maryland. Um, so my job there was to, to help vets launch businesses and careers within cybersecurity. Um, so what happened was, like, within the first few weeks, I was inundated with calls and emails by veterans like, hey, man, I have cybersecurity experience. I have IT experience. I'm not getting the right types of jobs or job offers that I know I should be getting. Or, dude, I don't even know what I should be getting. Can you help me? Or can you connect me to um, employers? And on the flip side, the employers were like, where's all these great vets we keep hearing about? Especially the ones with clearances, right? Right. So, yeah, I took 40, 60 resumes. I don't know. Excuse me. And I sent it um, to all of our partners um, that we worked with um, uh, within the state. And to my surprise, like very few got hired and, you know, maybe about 10 got interviews. And that just didn't make sense to me. Like, how is it in, 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 you know, I'm reading the resumes from a military perspective. Right. So, you know, for the part, I can understand the acronyms and I can I can get where this this uh, person is trying to go with their, their resumes. Well, when I started digging into that, the employees didn't know. Wow. Like, hey, what is I don't, I so don't they know just didn't understand the acronyms. They didn't understand the path that these folks were going on. Yeah, not only that. I mean, it's a, it's it's a two different cultures. It's two different languages, sure. right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, to make matters worse, um, you you're asking military members to create a narrative about their experience that they're sworn to secrecy. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little bit tough for you to put, um, you know. To declassify and deconstruct, um, you know, a, a wealth of experience and um, training into a document, um, you know, that you know you can't you can't say what you did, right? Right. Um, and then we still have this issue in in, in the um, industry today. Um, you know, a huge part of the problem is that there, um, you know, besides the nice two point oh frameworks and um, a framework and a couple of other. Uh, you know, other um, initiatives like that, um, for the most part, there is no common lexicon when it comes to cybersecurity jobs, right? Um, it, it's a lot better than it was, um, uh, it's a lot better today than it was in 2014, 15. Um, but, you know, we still have um, the same issues where, you know, employers are missing out on top talent because, um, you know, they simply don't have the, um, you know, the technical, um, you know, technical people or subject matter experts um, uh, on their on staff to be able to, um, you know, dissect exactly what they need. Um, and most of them are just kind of, you know, reusing uh, stuff that they see um, other companies doing sure. because it's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. You know, yep, I need an analyst yeah. or I need a, you know, it's just, just it is what it is. So let's play the keyword game. Um, so when you take those two um, um, issues, uh, you know, it, it creates um, a lot of frustration and friction um, within the hiring uh, process for cybersecurity. So in your best elevator pitch, explain cybersecurity network. Cyber Warrior Network. Um, Sorry, it's I got the the title, but yeah, Cyber yeah. Warrior Network. If you if you were talking to somebody that you'd never talked to about the about the, about your company, what would it be? 
Um, I'm sorry. So, I, could you repeat that real quick? No, I'm just. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to. I I want to hear your best thirty second. What Cyber Warrior Network is? You've been explaining okay. sort of the precipice for it. Yeah. So essentially, Cyber Warrior Network is the first secure distributed um, skills. Um, cybersecurity skills pipeline, um, and essentially we're a nucleus for the education, training, and workforce um, community. And one of the reasons why we picked military members to be um, our focus is that, um, number one, I'm a military member, and, and I, I understand the struggle that they go through, but we firmly believe that um, you know military members have, have a lot to offer. Uh, you know, everybody's looking for that one cyber unicorn. And, you know, our our belief is that we can, um, you know, proactively build cyber warriors and then um, also, you know, find the actual combinations of skill sets um, that you would need to, um, you know, attack any threat. So is this education and sort of job placement or is it just job placement? So we are, yeah, so it's, it's funny, we're not a job board. Like, so we, what we did is we essentially built an algorithm that translates um, and quantifies uh, military members' experience into something civilian um, employers can understand. And I probably should have said that when you asked about the elevator pitch. <laughs> it's okay. Um, that, yeah. That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah. So, so essentially, we're able to validate those skill sets. Now, um, there has to be a paradigm shift and that's why, um, you know, we, we transitioned from just, um, I should say transition, pivoted now because we're talking about startups here, right? So we pivoted from just, um, you know, um, translating and matching in order to be the actual nucleus between all of these silo communities, right? So, you know, th there's tons of research that's being done, like, kind of like at UTSA and, and other, you know, great universities across the nation and across the world. And then inside of the DOD and inside of these other federal agencies, they're doing their stuff and they're looking at threats and it's not being shared a whole lot with the, um, with industry, right? But industry is doing some great things as well. And this, it's not being shared. And within that, you know, one of the, the biggest things that we're doing is actually validating those skill sets. And so we can take, we can ingest a, a military member's um, a resume or their LinkedIn profile or even um, you know any um, declassified military documents, and then we can quantify that and put it in a way that um, you know a civilian employer or anybody else can understand. Oh, this is what their experience is, whatever it is, and then we take it one step further where they have to validate that. Now, you know we're in we're in we're we're kind of in our phase two of um, the development of the platform, so we're doing that all on top of a blockchain stack for um, you know obviously we. we we're creating. If you guys have seen, um, you guys have seen a uh, Mission Impossible, the first one. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we're building a knock list for military hackers, right? It's awesome. So you, you definitely don't don't want our guys to to be out there. So for lack of a better term, you know, so we're we're putting that on top of the blockchain stack. Um, everything is going to be de decentralized, and the candidates or 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 job seekers will only will will only share their information with whomever within the network that they want to. So we're, we're not even going to store the information, but we will be able to um, do all of the um, analysis and, and matching algorithm. I love that it's um, finally finally somebody that's using blockchain for something. I don't think we've had, we've had 20, 20 guests on the show and not one has mentioned blockchain yet. So congratulations. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we, it, it's, 
it was very important uh, to us in terms of security. Sure. Um, but then a couple of, of things, um, you know, a couple of, of um, you know, capabilities that brings to the network is attestation and then also trust, right? Yeah. Um, you know, know that there's Absolutely. a huge issue with, with LinkedIn, you know? Yeah. Right? Uh, yes, you know, I know you. Hey, give me a great review, right, or whatever it is. And then, yeah, you know, I, I went to, um, you know, I went to Yale, right? Mm-hmm. You know, here's my degree. So um, essentially what we're, what, what we're doing is, you know, the goal is to be able to take this from the cradle to the grave. When I say the cradle to the grave, so imagine somebody um, leaving uh, basic training and now, um, you know, because we understand um, exactly what they need to do for the um, on-the-job training and their career progression, you know, we'll have immutable um, records of that and say, yes, this person can definitely do this skill. But what happens to the person when they leave the military or they'll say they come in, they're coming in from um, a university, right? So they're able to take this, um, essentially, this digital dossier and um, get validated not only by um, their peers, but, um, you know, through their management. And this will all be a general consensus um, in terms of the cyber, the cybersecurity workforce community, right? So, you know, this issue about, you know, uh, you know, uh, an, an analyst one versus analyst two or, 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 or whatever it is, you know, with that type of, um, you know, common lexicon and the industry understanding, well, okay, yes, this is what, um, you know, your skill set is supposed to look like at this stage, whatever it is, um, you know, then we can really use something like an, an, an algorithm, matching algorithm like, like we have, and be able to pinpoint down to the knowledge, skills, and abilities that, that would be needed um, for training, for education, but also for, um, you know, just-in-time work, um, workforce deployments. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Nigel, we're going to take a quick uh, another commercial break. Is that cool? I'm awesome. Here. Today's episode of the Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize offers your company dedicated account management to develop your insights into the world of PR and communication strategy, providing all the support you need. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. We are talking to Nigel LeBlanc from the Cyber Warrior Network here on the Veteran Founder Podcast. And uh, we only have a few minutes left, but I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the lessons you've learned so far and and things that you've taken away as a founder. You've had a number of different sort of things that you've worked on, and the Cyber Warrior Network, it just sounds incredible. So the first thing I want to ask is, where do you see this going in the next five years? Where do you see... First of all, blockchain. I love that it's built on blockchain. But where do you see Cyber Warrior Network going in the next five years? Uh, <clears throat> being acquired by uh, Indeed or LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. So actually, um, so we're we're going to be doing some pretty cool things. Um, uh, I, I I don't want to let out too much, but um, you know. Our platform, we're, we're looking into serious gaming and, um, you know, doing skills validation and workforce matching within, um, you know, with, within gaming and then also um, within live, you know, like hackathons and all of that, right? So um, cybersecurity is a problem that is here to stay and, um, you know, we will always have work to do. Um, but, you know, I think that we just have to get smarter and, you know, if I had a crystal ball five years, I would I would love us to be able to say, yes, we can take any threat and and kind of dissect that and tell you who in your workforce you need to go 
um, uh, to lead the response team. So think of it like cyber seals. We call it cyber seals. On the seals team, any one member of that team, uh, based on their um, you know specialty, could be leading that day, right? Sure. So essentially, being able to deploy cyber seals. That that makes sense. I like that. I like that sort of uh, you know being able to just deploy and, and being a leader from from anywhere. That's great. Uh, and so then that takes me to the next question about, you know, the overall lessons that you've learned, uh, you know, our listeners, a lot of our listeners are, you know, they, they want to build a business or they have a business in their very early stages. What are some of the things that you would impart that you now know going through this process a few times that you could impart on our listeners? Um, do not do things in a vacuum. Um, do not get uh, too attached to one idea of, or, or, or seeing things only, um, uh, the way that you want to see it. Uh, relationships are very, very important. Um, find a co-founder very early, find, find a team that will, that will plug in the, the gaps of all your weaknesses. Right. Um, and work with people who are driven and passionate about your mission. Um, not every startup, uh, um, not every startup, uh, or, or not every founder goes after something. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to save the world, or whatever it is, but just make sure that, uh, you know, you're passionate about what you're doing because, um, it's going to be a lot of long nights, long weekends. Um, and you know, uh, don't forget your family in the process too. I'm kind of guilty of that. Um, you know, I get very, um, you know, laser focused and, um, you know, I, I get immersed in what we're doing. So, um, don't forget about your family. I think that's it. That's, that's a great, that, that's a great segue. I love that, uh, that thought because it's, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. So, uh, Nigel, I really appreciate you coming on. Where can people find, uh, your website and you yourself? So, um, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and, and I am, my email address is Nigel at cyberwarriornetwork.com. And if you want to learn more about what we're doing, um, you can just go to cyberwarriornetwork.com. Um, in the next uh, couple of weeks, you guys are going to see some uh, big changes to the website and as we debut um, and moving forward with the um, you know, blockchain piece. But um, this has been um, you know, a wonderful experience for me. And I wanted to thank you guys personally for what you guys are doing in terms of really um, highlighting veteran um, entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I, I know we're running out of time, but real quick, in, in 2011, um, I couldn't find anything like this. And it was a very lonely and, and hard road. So I'm um, optimistic about our um, our military and veteran entrepreneurs that are going to, um, you know, uh, come behind us. And because of um, enables like you guys and, you know, um, organizations like, um, you know, Techstars Patriot Bootcamp and um, Bunker Labs. So... Um, all the veterans that are listening out there, there is help. Um, just reach out, and you might be surprised at the um, uh, you know the amount of help that you do get. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And and yeah, Nigel, you're you've been a great alumni for the Patriot Bootcamp, and we were excited that you're part of it. And so, uh, yeah, just uh, thanks for being on the on the show today. I really appreciate it. Awesome guys, but you you, know, you guys are, are enjoying the um, California weather. I'm stuck here in the 100 degrees in Texas, but anyways, enjoy it nonetheless. <laughs> Thanks, sir. All right, you've been listening to the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, and get shit done. See you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch.
10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.